The Defense Department says it'll hold organizations inside the department responsible for hitting the deadlines in its new Zero Trust strategy and roadmap. DOD officials released the public version of the strategy and roadmap last Tuesday. Andy Stewart is National Security and Government Senior Strategist for Cybersecurity at Cisco. Andy, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. What's your broad takeaway before we get into some of the specifics of the Zero Trust strategy and roadmap out from DOD? Welcome. Hey, Francis. Uh, Thanks. It's great to be here. Uh, Always enjoy uh, chatting with uh, the team and I, yeah, I think uh, this is a pretty impressive document that the Department of Defense has uh, released to provide really a clear strategic guidance for all DOD components in terms of how they adopt uh, zero trust in a strategic way with a strategic approach. Um, they do some very good definitions around capability pillars, and we can probably dump, jump into that. But I think what's uh, you know kind of most groundbreaking about this uh, is often people get a little wrapped around the axle about what's in zero trust. Is it ZT, uh, NA? Is it segmentation? Is it endpoint security? Is it firewall? Is it identity? Uh, and this document and strategy really takes it much more beyond the IT solution uh, and, and talks about how it may certainly include some products but it's really not a capability or a device that you buy. It's a journey uh, and it requires all of the DOD components to integrate zero trust capabilities and technologies and solutions, but do that along with processes and how they bring uh, those requirements and day-to-day muscle movements uh, that their staffing and training and personnel must do. So when you really think about it, uh, it really addresses the fact that, you know, zero trust is much more holistically defined uh, from principles to strategy uh, to capabilities to technologies and features, uh, and the people and the processes matter just as much as the technologies. Yeah, and it struck me that one of the first, well, the first um, bullet that John Sherman writes about in the introduction to it is culture. Like the, he understands that that's an important piece of getting people to buy into it, not just as you say, putting technology in place. That's not the only piece of this. No, I, for sure. Uh, and so I operated uh, in the DOD for 30 years, and especially when I was in command, uh, culture was the thing I worked on every day because uh, I think, uh, you know, somewhere somebody uh, like Drucker said, you know, culture eats uh, uh, strategy uh, for breakfast, words to that effect. Um, so, yeah, if you're not addressing the culture and if you're not bringing it into the organization and thinking about how to do that strategically, um, it, you may not have a winning strategy. Are there best practices for getting culture right in the cyber area, or am I maybe thinking about it wrong because zero trust permeates so much of mission delivery operations? Well, I think it absolutely does permission uh, permeate uh, the landscape of delivering mission and capabilities, and so we have to remember that that underpinning um, the capabilities that the network brings and uh, that we are striving to meet with cybersecurity, what we're really talking about is delivering mission capabilities. So I think first and foremost, uh, a culture focus is that this is every bit uh, about enabling the mission uh, as it is just good security practices. Uh, having a mission focus, uh, that is certainly must be part of the culture. Uh, and you know, in the commercial world, for a banking you know, uh, type of industry to understand why the network is important, security is important, it's pretty obvious that you know protecting uh, finances and resources and assets is important uh, and it's no different uh, in the DOD context. So certainly from a culture perspective, it's understanding that this is integral to the mission. Um, I think the next part really is, is about how do you work more efficiently, 
uh, and bring teams together from the networking team, from the security team, or even uh, the team that's building applications. How do they more efficiently work together with good technologies that provide processes that naturally integrate people? Uh, and so when you think about that in terms of operating sort of a platform approach is, is how we operate in the Department of Defense, you know, you you naturally want to bring processes that work together uh, and capabilities that interact with each other. And I think that's a really key part about the strategy is it talks about, not only about the individual capabilities, but the idea that they have to actually work cross pillar uh, to really uh, uh, underpin the strategic benefits of what the strategy is pointing towards. I note that resilience is a theme all throughout this, Andy, and I wonder what resilience looks like in the context of a z- of this zero trust strategy, of the ultimate outcome of the strategy and roadmap. I guess resilience is a term that can mean different things to different people. So I wonder what the, the right definition in your view is to attach to that word uh, to get the results the department wants. I think of resilience as the ability to protect the integrity of every aspect of the organization's mission uh, to withstand unpredictable threats or changes. So back when we were talking about what it means to the culture, it means uh, you know we have to keep operating and keep the mission going. Uh, despite changes, despite disruptions. And yeah, we've just been through, uh, the world's been through a lot of disruptions over the last couple of years. Uh, And how do we actually come back after those disruptions and emerge stronger? Uh, And so getting zero trust right uh, is essential for uh, security resilience for defense and government uh, because it under mission, underpins those critical missions. So you kind of answered my next question, which was going to be resilience isn't just a technology issue. It's also people and processes too. And you talked about culture a little bit and how that fits in, but I imagine it's it's all three of those things have a resilience component too, right? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, we've seen resilience uh, across the gamut of things like supply chain operations, like um, you know, uh, certainly uh, in terms of just day-to-day operations and underpinning a lot of those operations for any organization or, or any agency uh, is the ability to securely uh, connect and deliver information to the right people uh, and protect that information. And so when you think about it that way, you know, networking and security underpins really all just about all the functions of any organization. You rightly pointed out that this is impactful, not just at the enterprise-wide level in DOD, but the services, the uh, components, all of the individual offices and so on have marching orders now. What do you recommend at like the service level or the office level, um, fourth estate, all of that? They're all going to have responsibilities along these lines. What does that look like a little bit further down the chart in your view, Andy? Sure. Well, and, you know, I, I always refer back to uh, NIST 800-207 that says, you know, the first thing you really need to do before you start on a zero trust journey is make sure you've done all those things in terms of understanding what are the critical missions and processes, uh, defining risk around those, uh, and so that you develop good policy for all of those different types of um, uh, parts of the organization uh, that contribute to mission and where you want to take risk. And so these are things that are defined uh, in any organization's uh, risk management framework. So NIST says, you know, you really should have done your homework up front before you start uh, on your path down to zero trust. So understanding what the risk to mission is, how uh, to implement those policies, and then thinking about how can I do that in an efficient way? 
Uh, and so when you do that, it, and it really gets into a, um, you know, the, the OODA loop, uh, observe, orient, decide, and act, uh, which, you know, we all grew up with uh, in the military, uh, you know, for a zero trust approach is about establishing trust uh, based on um, those principles, based on understanding what's in the enterprise, enforcing least privilege. So that means enforcing that policy, which is based off of your risk to tolerance, uh, continuously monitoring. Uh, so being proactive and understanding where there might be uh, potential behavior or, or things you need to tighten up in those, those policies, uh, and then be able, being able to respond. So being able to act uh, to changes uh, or uh, significant threats uh, or, or uh, issues uh, that you might encounter in the enterprise. So it's really that four-step process, which is really the OODA loop that we all grew up with. How will the department itself or people inside the department or outsiders like us be able to measure to determine if this was successful at some future point? And when is a future point, how far out, I guess, is reasonable to say, okay, it looks like we're on track and we're achieving, or it looks like the department is on track and achieving what they set out to do here? Well, I think, you know, the first outcome obviously is better security uh, and continuity emissions. Uh, so that that's, um, you know, sort of the, the obvious goal. But I think one of the other ones that the strategy gets at uh, and that we often see with uh, some of our customers and certainly uh, as we've uh, protected our own Cisco enterprise uh, across 94 countries uh, with, you know, 100,000 users uh, is you see better return on investment, uh, more efficiency uh, from taking things with a zero trust approach. Uh, zero trust is not about creating expense and depth that you should actually see efficiencies by bringing those teams together, as I mentioned earlier, for better processes, better procedures, uh, and capabilities that are working across those pillars uh, to achieve those strategic effects. Um, I think everybody agrees that zero trust is a journey. Um, so I don't know that you're ever really done, uh, and certainly technology is going to continue to change. Uh, the mission uh, imperatives are going to continue to push the the bounds and the requirements of uh, networks outside uh, traditional boundaries. So we just went through this with you know having to have a bunch of the workforce uh, working from home. Uh, but certainly, as we deliver new capabilities uh, through applications, uh, we're going to uh, continue to uh, want to ensure that the network is protected uh, and continue to make sure we're taking a zero trust approach to everything. Andy Stewart of Cisco, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. It's great to have you. Okay.